Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the show, we have Dr. Rachel. She is a licensed clinical psychologist with over a decade of experience supporting people to take inspired action to connect to self-discovery, healing healthy habits, and enhancing health, wellness, balance, and living life passionately. And so guess what you guys get to listen to today? An actual close to actual therapy session for Abigail and myself. If you paid attention a couple episodes ago, we talked a lot about health and wellness and it kind of spinned into our unhealthy journeys regarding health and wellness. And so Dr. Rachel reached out and had some insight to provide. So I think you're going to find this one super interesting as we kind of dive deeper into some of those choices and behaviors and emotions around food and boundaries and all of that amazing stuff when it comes to being a small business owner and a woman and just a human in general. So I hope this one is a little bit beneficial for those of you listening. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the show. Or should I say Dr. Rachel? Dr. Rachel. Either is fine. I would always require people call me doctor if I was a doctor. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, good. I remember very vividly, Emily and I were having a conversation about health and wellness and then... Or lack thereof. (laughs) Yeah. And then we were blurting all these personal details about binge eating and our relationships with food and all of that. And Dr. Rachel came out of the woodwork and she sent me a video message on Instagram. And she was like, girls... Girl, I y'all need some help. We need to (laughs) chat. And I was like, oh, I am putting her on the show and putting Emily on the spot, and it's gonna be so good. Yeah. Before we started, before you came on, she was like, I think should just do a therapy session with you on air. And I was like, nah, nah, the world's not ready for that. (laughs) That'd be awesome. I'm game if you are, Emily. You know what? I don't know what boundaries mean, which is a little bit of something that we're going to talk about today. So I literally like we could talk about anything and I'd be down. (laughs) 
Well, and kind of along those lines, I want to jump into, I think a lot of you struggle with boundaries and healthy relationships and like talking about your work in a way where other people just don't get what you do on a day-to-day basis or how you run a business when you're quote working from home. Like they think this is a magical luxury that we get. And then it's so glamorous sometimes. So Dr. Rachel, (laughs) what are some things we need to be doing to start setting more healthy boundaries? Hmm. Yeah, this is a really important question, I think, for so many people, especially women, I think, who struggle with feeling okay about setting limits, which I think is another way to say, you know, boundaries are really just limits. When we reach a point where we need to say enough is enough, or this is where I need space, or this is where my needs come in. And I think ultimately, we all just really want to be seen and validated and understood. And so when you sort of describe this way that it can be people in our lives may misunderstand what we do when we say we're working for home or have an idea of what that is that isn't actually accurate and then struggle to support us because they have this idea of what we do that isn't accurate. It can be really important for us to fill people in about what's true for us and then what we need from them to feel supported. And I think that is very much aligned with how we set boundaries and and how we ask for what we need. But I think we have to first be willing to, I think boundaries are so connected to our sense of worth and our sense of, you know, I'm worth asking for this, or I'm worth saying to this person I'm close to, here's what's actually the real deal for me. I need you to know that because I want to feel supported by you. Yeah, I think that goes in line with how I responded to a student just yesterday. She was sharing with me how she was having trouble with a close friend who didn't really understand how she couldn't just pick up and fly out to come visit her, take some extra days, take a long weekend and come visit her. She flies all the time for work. So why couldn't she do it for her to come see her? And our student was asking for feedback on how we would respond to a friend like that. And how do we deal with stuff like that? Her initial gut reaction is in the past, she's just cut those relationships. Like, well, you can't support me in that way. So we can't be friends anymore. And so I came at it from a different perspective. And and you saying that uh, explanation of really respecting your own value and knowing your value first, because my response is, I know how valuable my time is. So you can either come out to me, or this is how much it's going to cost you for me to come out there. Or you know what I mean? Like not like you're charging your friends, but here's how much money I won't be making when I make those decisions. And that is my value, that this is my job, this is my value. And I think she was kind of like, I would have never thought to really tell her like, this is what I do for a living. And this is how much it would cost me to go do this thing. So it's interesting to that's just another way that we we don't really see our own value in our day to day. Right, right. Yeah. And I appreciate sort of your the clarity and sort of you know, forcefulness behind like, this is what's real for me. And this is what's getting in the way of my ability to just pick up and visit. You know, one thing I'd add on to that example specifically is to connect to also though, it sounds like her friend really wants to spend time with her. And I imagine this person does value her friendships and does want to create time in her life for things outside of business, but is struggling and balance is hard and she's got to make money and she's got a lot going on. So I think there's a way to maybe meet people in our lives 
from a heartfelt place around like, I do want to spend time with you. And here's why this isn't possible in this way you're requesting specifically. And can we chat on the phone? Can we make a phone date? You know, can we FaceTime or find a way to stay connected that works for both of us? If it's worth it, you know, if that friend can understand that. You know, and and say, of course, yes, let's figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's something we talked a little bit about in a couple of past episodes about maintaining friendships intentionally because you have to be, especially as we get older, you have to be intentional about the friendships that you're curating in your life. And one of the things that my best friend and I do is, and it's not on a like a every day we have to do this, but whenever I'm driving to go pick up my daughter from daycare or heading to Target or whatever, we use an app. It's called Marco Polo. It's a video app. Yeah. And it's awesome, right? And you just click record and you just chat with the person and you leave a, vi- a long video message. It can be as long as you want. And then they'll get a notification. They watch it whenever they want and they can respond to you. And so we do that multiple times a week. And that's our version of a phone call because we found when we were trying to do a phone call, like both of us have to be available at the same time, which is the hardest thing. And that's usually the big killer of relationships is everyone has their own lives and their own schedule. So we leave these like video messages for each other all the time, just updating each other about our days and what's going on and asking questions. And it's been a huge game changer in our relationship and our friendship that's been able to be maintained even better in the last year because of that. And even though we're five hours apart. Yes, I know the app well. And I think that type of workaround is is important. It sounds like you and your best friend sort of figured out that, you know, agreed that it's really important to stay connected. You want to maintain the depth of the connection. Here's how you figure it out that it works. I love that. I, I use the app every single day. I think especially for friendships that um, there's like a time difference. It's a great great resource for staying connected. Well, on the same lines of healthy boundaries and healthy relationships, I know throughout my business, and I love my husband, our marriage has been a million times better now than it was even a couple of years ago. But we still continue to struggle with healthy boundaries around working. And part of that is because I'm addicted. And I... I love working and my hobby is working on another business and like, then I started another project. And so like just last night, I remember we were sitting on the couch and I had told him about sacrifice and like, what if I worked really hard for the next five years and like spent pretty much all my free time working on all these things, then we could just live this life. And he was mad at me because we were watching a TV show and I was quote, multitasking. And he was like, I just want 30 minutes. And I was like, but I want to work. And so I and I know it's hard. I mean, it's bad for both of us. Like, both of us are getting the short end of the stick, because we both want something different. And so how would you navigate conversations like that? Yeah, I think it's funny, because as you recall it, there's a part of you that seems to recognize that self-sacrifice is limiting you in some way when it comes to being able to be there in a present way with your husband. So you sort of giggled when you described this way that you just want to work every single second, all your free time. And it also seems like it's a value you hold to achieve a certain amount of success so that you set yourself up later for a type of freedom that will afford you more time to be present with him and that he doesn't quite get that yet because he wants more of you now. And I think there's a way to find 
balance, I think you'll probably have to be willing to compromise more. And if he's only asking for half an hour of your time and attention, I imagine you really value your partnership with him and you want to give him that. And it's worth it to you to take a step back a little bit when it comes to the work to prioritize your marriage. So, but I think, and Abigail, I don't mean to make it sound like it's this obvious decision. I mean, I think it's something that it sounds like you're contending with. And ultimately, we all have to make decisions around how much we sacrifice and in what ways and in what areas of our lives. And so I and I think you can have both, you can work diligently and achieve the type of success you're driven for. And I think you can have the quality of partnership that you also very likely want and that he wants, and that they both can exist. Well, and I think for me to come in and be therapist as well as I think he's probably he, he's going to call bullshit on you saying, well, I'll only work hard for five years. So then I won't have to work at all. But if you love working, that's what you're going to want to do in five years. So he's like, if you're giving if I'm losing all of you now, I'm going to still lose you in five years. I know. And I'm just having a hard time, like balancing it all because it's I enjoy it. It is it doesn't always it doesn't feel like work necessarily. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I think it's also like the world that we live in as entrepreneurs, as people who work from home, as people who like set their own hours, like we can work at two in the morning or two in the afternoon or on a Sunday or on a Tuesday, like those days aren't really any different or times aren't really different to us. So I think recognizing like, and maybe you having a discussion with him about the more flexible your schedule has become at TCC enables you to maybe get some work done while you're also watching TV. But the flip side of that is you taking, you know, maybe an entire Friday off and you guys go do lunch and breakfast or whatever, right? But maybe showing him, I'm doing this now, but remember on Friday, we did this. And honestly, I I mean, it sounds like a I like that. I like what you're saying, Emily. And and Abigail, thanks for being open to this, our sort of... Is this now your therapy session? How was it supposed to be? <laughs> we can talk about eating a half a bag of Cheetos yesterday if we want to. Yeah, what the heck's up with that? Like, why do you... I get so upset. Emily can eat terribly. I watch her do it. And then she'll be like, I lost five pounds. And I want to punch her, sucker punch her in the face. Emily. Lucky you, huh? You get to eat. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, does it not feel good when you eat the half a bag of Cheetos? I imagine it doesn't. I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> That's the problem. Why is it a problem, though, if it feels okay and it's not causing... I don't feel bad about it in the moment or immediately after. I feel bad about it in like three to six months when I'm like working out and not seeing a difference. And I'm like, if I hadn't eaten that bag of Cheetos, I bet I wouldn't have this like muffin top right now. Okay. Okay. So there is, there is a consequence to it that it's just a lot later, (laughs) but it doesn't stop. I don't know why it doesn't stop me. I literally ate, I probably a cup of cheat, like a, measuring cup of Cheetos yesterday. I don't know, because I was just eating out of the bag. Legit Cheetos. I bought them. And a like a half a sleeve of thin Oreos. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. But no dinner. So because I'm full on sugar. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and carp. I know. But then like, what's so crazy is I won't do that for probably six or seven more months. Like it is not. I don't entirely agree with you. Like, I think you think I won't do that much. 
Yeah. Because then I won't buy them again. Because then I'm like, if I buy them, I'll eat them. Like once when I eat these, like when they're done in about like probably a week, I won't have them again in the house for a while. So it's like this intermittent treat you give yourself. It sounds like <laughs> if you yeah treat if if that's what we want to call it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's it's something you allow yourself to indulge in here and there. I don't think there's anything necessarily inherently problematic about that, unless you're feeling like actually after I eat it, I feel lethargic and and it's and it is getting in the way of my fitness goals, and I don't understand why I'm you know making this decision. It's coming from an emotional stress based place. Then I'd say you know maybe we could you should. Yeah, I think the decision comes from like it's definitely a hormonal base. Like I had just ended my period or like oh, like almost a day into being done with it and it's like it's a certain part of my cycle that's like the one that makes me make bad decisions like that. <laughs> and so then I'll do it and then I guess like the the problematic piece of it is like, I don't feel bad about doing it because I'm like, it's not going to make me gain 10 pounds because my, like, think genetics, right? That's that's just part of my DNA. But then, like, I worked out this morning and I really, really wanted to skip. But it's the, like, but you ate Cheetos yesterday. Like, you really need to go. And so then as soon as I make, it's almost like an addictive personality trait, I feel like, where I didn't work out for the longest because as soon as I work out, I work out nonstop. Like I work out five days a week, not like no question about it. And then I come home and find other ways to work out on my phone and work out at home. Like it just becomes this like, but if I don't work out at all, I'm easy breezy and I don't care that I'm not working out and everything's fine. But then I like start to feel unhealthy and then I'll work out like a psychopath. And then it's just this. But the binge eating like goes back a long time. Like you've been doing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what I would do is like, like eat the snacks ridiculously and then not eat dinner like to spite my parents <laughs> or to not like be with them because they weren't pleasant to be with or there was oh no they were fine people i was just mad that they were divorced and they were like making me right to go right. to therapy <laughs> right right so there's a lot there maybe i mean you know you know i'll i'll just say in an overarching way i think our relationship with food is so it can be for many of us women, especially incredibly intricate and complicated. And, and I think a lot of us could benefit from understanding it and exploring it more. So, but I'm interested in this like cycle or this pattern you have with like this hyper, this way in which like the exercise, does that, I'm curious, do do you experience that type of hyper focus or hyper energy in one specific behavior or domain like in other areas like does that come up outside of it I think so and I think it's been like one of the ways that's helped me be successful of where like my attention gets put on something and I will fucking like balls to the wall master that it's perfected it's good and then like move on to the next thing of like really high focus energy so it's definitely beneficial in some ways but it's it's just interesting to me how those two particular things, eating and exercise, like go through this ebb and flow of they get zero of my attention or they get all of like hyper attention. Do you notice a difference like, between what's happening in your life or in yourself when you're able to disengage from it versus when you're really engaged in it? 
The only time I'm entirely disengaged from it is when my life is so, so stressful that I've lost a shit ton of weight because of the stress. So I don't feel bad for what I'm eating at all or feel bad for not exercising. Uh huh. Uh huh. So like when we were waiting for our daughter to be born, we went through this like grueling adoption process and infertility and all of this stuff. So it was four years of me being like stick thin because I was so stressed out. I could eat like like all the bad food and I would lose weight. And I so I didn't care. I didn't need to work out and I didn't need to worry about what I was eating because it didn't matter. But then as soon as my daughter was born, I was happy <laughs> for once in four years. And so I started gaining weight, which was not bad because I it was like getting to be like ridiculous. But then it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm a little fluffier than I want. So then it's the hyper focus of like bad eating habits, over exercising or like only kale smoothies for like a month. Right, 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 right. That makes sense that in times of high stress, well, I'm so glad to hear you have your daughter now. And so yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) And we're able to sort of work through that. Yeah, I think I mean, sort of along the lines of what we were talking about before, it's like, how do you and I was just talking about this with a good friend of mine who was sharing about this way in which she perpetually makes poor food choices and then regrets it and, you know, experiences digestive issues, you know, that comes to and has to take like Pepto-Bismol or Tums. And, and when really the solution to the, to that problem is just to make better choices initially. And, and she struggles with it often. And we're always sort of touching base about it. And I just said yesterday, you know, balance is so important. And it sounds like for you, Emily, that's been something hard to achieve. And so it's like this endless way that you're sort of compensating when things get away from you with the food as opposed to just like having a stable relationship with healthy foods and foods that you indulge in and that not having to sort of feel guilty or compelled to make up for it in this major way at the gym. And I think along similar lines, it's really connecting to your own body and what it means to you to be in your body and feel healthy in your body and strong and to trust what your body needs and to listen to it. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, I definitely, for those still listening or care about some sort of resolution, I do feel like my choice of of exercising this year has gone to more, like maybe the amount that I'm doing is the hyper, like the excessive, like really feeling like I have to go every day. But the type of exercise I do, like, so I first started, I went to this uh, studio that had like multiple different types of classes and there was like cardio and there was abs and there was kickboxing, there was whatever. And I did that and I have endo pretty bad where like it flares up a lot with hormone differences and whatever. And it messed me up. Like it, I was in bed in pain, swollen for like two weeks. And so I went to my doctor and she was like, yeah, you shouldn't be jumping around like that and like lifting that much weight and doing all of these things. And so I found a bar exercise. So it's a like a ballet bar type of exercise. And it is amazing. I love it. It's so easy on my body. But for the first time ever, I actually see the benefits of exercising that it's making me stronger. And like my hips hurt less. And like I'm standing straighter and my arms are stronger. So I think I finally gotten to the point with that where I see like the benefit of it instead of just like the immediate result of it. And so I've picked a type of working out that actually like makes my entire body holistically better instead of just losing weight. But yeah, the food thing is still a problem. <laughs> Good for you. That that sounds really healthy. And it sounds like it's more than just your body. It's sort of a, a spiritual way that you're taking care of yourself through this bar class. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm like waking up early makes me feel really good about it. I don't regret it. It like sets the tone for my day. And like, I legitimately wake up at five when I know I have a busy day because it helps the day. And I've never thought I would ever say that. Like I heard people being like, waking up early really sets the tone for my day. I'm like, fuck you. I'd rather sleep until nine o'clock. But me actually doing it consistently is sh- like, I feel like affecting my mood and everything. So 
Yeah, and it sounds like that's what's motivating you as opposed to this coming from this place of guilt for a poor food choice. Right. Which right. right, right. Yeah, and so in terms of the food, I mean, have you explored how you use food in a like direct really looking at that way? Well, I did as a kid because I definitely used it when I was younger to get attention from either sets of parents. Like it was very like coming from a divorced family and being shuffled around and like wanting someone to pay attention to me for something other than like custody issues, but like literally could not have a better relationship with all of my parents now. And so I'm like, I don't know, like habitually why some of those decisions still get made today. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'm so glad things have sort of come to a resolved place with your family and your parents and and all that. And, you know, the stuff that happens to us when we're young, when we're kids, we're, we're, it's such a pivotal part of our development in terms of like who we are and what it means to be who we are and what to expect from others. And so that stuff gets deeply programmed into like these core places inside of us. So if, if, and if left unexamined, we're going to just operate from that place until we get to, until we realize like, yeah, why do I keep doing this with food? What does this mean? And then we can consciously work hard to make different decisions and to change the relationship. But it takes work and sort of a trial and error and a willingness to explore and experiment with things that feel unfamiliar. So I don't know what that would be for you, food, but it might be like, you know, really looking into nutritional science or exploring new meals that satisfy you and exploring sort of uh, the thoughts you tell yourself about food and what it means to have something sweet and what it means to regulate stress in a different way. Or So that's what I mean when I say there's a lot there to look at. I think especially food for people who work from home is a lot to unpack because there's a lot of meals we skip. There's a lot of snacking that can happen. There's a lot of, well, I haven't left the house all week, so let me go grab food and the choices we make then. like I feel like we're set up for way more opportunities than anyone else to make bad decisions or decisions, not that they're bad, but like decisions that aren't healthy or could be made better or whatever. And so, and I think just part of my, whatever that habitual decision making for me, it goes one way or the other. Like I spend all week, all month eating out because I'm like, let's get out of the house and I'm going to go eat. And then like my portion control is out of whack and all of that. Or it's like I spend the month snacking at home and I load up on all of these treats and snacks and I eat that. And then I spend a month not eating at all. (laughs) So it's just like, it's one or the other for me. So figuring out that balance for sure. Yeah. And I think so the, you know, the awareness around this is my pattern is such a good place to start so that that way you can make deliberate, uh, intentional changes to how you approach it. I think it's a good point. I, I think working from home is unique and has its own set of challenges and, and benefits. But I think, you know, you said it well when you said, you know, it's it's important because I work from home to get out. And so sometimes I use eating out as a way to get out. And so knowing that that can be dangerous terrain for you because you don't have as good control over the portion size or you don't have your go-to spot for healthy, nourishing food, you know, you can find 
different ways to get out and do some meal prep every Sunday so that, you know, you have your snacks in place for the week ahead and you know what you're eating and when and why. But that takes, again, I mean, like you'd have to really commit to doing that for yourself and you have to trust back to the self-worth piece, right? Like you'd have to really believe that you're worth putting in the time on Sunday to meal prep and to finding different ways to get outside of the house for a 10 minute walk around the block or to the local coffee shop to work there for a few hours or whatever it is that works for you. But it's deliberate, you know, and I think it requires practice at prioritizing yourself that way. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of my like last frontiers of being consistent with like, I feel like I'm very good at being consistent in a lot of other aspects of my life. But like meal planning, for instance, like I've done the bit, like I've downloaded the recipes, I've pinned the things I bought those like containers there, you do the meal planning, and you pick which ones you freeze and you fridge them. And I did it hard for like a month. And then like never did it again, because it was a lot of work. And I didn't really like it. Like I hate leftovers. Okay. So then I was like, all right, like lots of nutrients, good foods. Let me do a smoothie. So I bought the smoothie, like juicer, got the produce, did the bit. I did that literally for an entire month. And then I've never done it again. So it's like, I go into these like 30 day bursts of like trying something new, but I'm never consistent with it because I don't like any of them. Right. Right. So to me, that's an indication that you just have to keep finding the thing that works. And it probably... It sounds, Emily, too, like it won't be any one thing. And I don't think it is for any of us anyway. You know, I I think maybe for you, it will be eating out every Wednesday and Friday, but you find the spot that isn't dangerous for you and you're, you know, like, and you make sure, because it sounds like variety is important to you and you don't, you can veer too far to either side of the spectrum and that that doesn't really work for you. It's about balance. And so maybe it's a smoothie once a morning, once a week, but it's also exploring new cuisine by eating out and then cooking a meal in with your daughter one, or whatever it is. But it sounds like a combination might be fruitful for you. I, and I, I guess I would only just wonder, well, it sounds like you said you got to a point, you get to a point where you realize, oh, I don't really, this isn't working for me. I don't really like this. I don't like leftovers. I don't like this smoothie, actually. But you also might just get bored. Like, I think we all sort of, you know, routine. It's so interesting. We need our routines and we love the things that are familiar. And we also need novelty and newness and we need to shake it up with our diet, you know, especially. Yeah, I I went on a, a pickle binge one time. <laughs> I love the story of your pickle binge. Pickles are legit. I, she legit. Like, how many jars of pickles did you eat? It was like easily a jar of pickles every two or three days. That's not that bad. I know, but it was like... But it was random. She went from like zero pickles to all the pickles. <laughs> a lot. I think that was actually like a lack of some kind of mineral or something in my diet because it was like a craving and I used to hate pickles. So that's like a whole nother thing. But I think we go through these cycles in life and I relate to a lot of what Emily is saying, but definitely my own personal journey with food has been different. But I think a lot of it goes back to mindset. I I have a lot of mindless eating habits and there's they're definitely cyclical. Like I know what time of day I start doing that sort of thing. And I have like legit, you could look on my browser history. I have legit looked up like 
locks and timers for cabinets and things because it really, I was like, well, if it's locked from these hours, would that prevent me? I don't know. And I I haven't got a lock. Don't worry. Like I went to those kind of extremes trying to find a solution. You would drive to the grocery store and go get the thing. Yeah. Because you go for food to soothe something. And so is that the, like what the mindlessness is around just like needing to occupy yourself with something while you're working or like, I'm wondering what, how do you understand the the impulse to just like snack or eat even when you don't really want to or aren't hungry for it? So I think during the day, I, for the most part, it's pretty reasonable. Like I have uh, like, not that my breakfast is super nutritious, but at least I'm eating breakfast. My lunch is pretty reasonable. I usually have a snack at three and then I eat dinner, but like eight, nine o'clock rolls around and I'm like, give me the chocolate covered almonds and I need a glass of milk and maybe some ice cream and like, my sweet tooth goes crazy and it's not and I wasn't even a sweet tooth person like as a kid I used to sneak a lot of food and like would go have dinner before I went home to have dinner or I would go to the the gas station and buy a muffin and a chocolate milk or go to McDonald's drive through And I snuck a lot of things. Like I even like, it goes back a long ways. I remember as a kid, I probably was only seven and I snuck a slice of ham and cheese dodge, which is by the way, disgusting. I don't know. Like as a kid, that's just what was around, but I had a loose tooth and I swallowed my tooth and I was so scared to tell my mom that I was sneaking food uh, that I didn't get money from the tooth fairy. And like, it's had a long term impact on my, my personal well being. Like this, it's the sneakiness has been a huge part of it. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that you're sort of exposing that because this is you saying it's not actually a secret. And I think being willing to share about some of the dynamics here is is brave. And so, yeah, I mean, so much of this is so, you know, Emily shared it too. And I see it often with people I work with. It often does start really early on in our lives. And so along similar lines, it's about breaking these long-standing patterns and habits. And I think it sounds a little bit like maybe the secrecy is aligned with a sense of shame or, you know, I'm like doing this thing that I feel like makes me wrong or bad. And and it sounds like for you, Abigail, it's still coming up in the evenings and there's, and it's interesting because that's when it's dark and a lot of the world starts to get ready to go to sleep. And it sounds like there's still sort of this secrecy around these indulgences or these sweet things that I, I think are comforting you in some way or help regulating some aspect of your experience. So I guess I'm just wondering, like, what is what is underneath that for you? I mean, is it just a craving? Or is there like, is there more that you're trying to soothe? Oh, I definitely feel like it's bigger than a craving. Like, it's not a necessity. I'm never hung. I'm not hungry when I'm eating like that. It's like, it's either a habit. I've, I've talked about in the past that like McDonald's became my safe place. Like, and I would go there with my mom to avoid going home and like getting kind of out of things. And so I have a lot of unhealthy relationships with that place, but I still go back to it and I still go there. I don't necessarily go there at night. So I guess most of what's happening is 
like alone at night. And some of it I see my husband doing too, where he'll, he'll snack at night. And, but I, I don't know if I have more control during the day and I just like, like give up at some point or what's happening, but it's definitely, it feels bigger than, than me. Oh, well, and I, I don't think it is bigger than you. I think it's within you and it's worth looking at, you know, and if food was a source of comfort or safety, especially these stereotypical comfort foods, like the, the fried foods and the fatty foods, the unhealthy fatty foods, you know, that's not uncommon for people to use that, to use food as a source of comfort. And it seems like you're coming to a place where you're acknowledging it's problematic and any comfort it provides is fleeting. And, and there's a lack of, Oh, you know, there's a lack of mindfulness around the behavior and that doesn't feel good. And so, yeah, I think it'd be interesting for you to look at what safety is for you now and where you feel that and where you really feel that now. And along the lines of what I was saying with Emily, it's like starting to deprogram that, strategy that you had when you were younger to find a safe haven somewhere that maybe isn't the healthiest for you now. And you don't need it in the same way you did then. And so now it's about deconditioning yourself. It's just a lot. I mean, I've made strides and I've, I've done things that I think have put me in the right direction. But a lot of it feels like giving up old patterns or giving up things that I do enjoy, but aren't like, I typically end up overindulging if they, if they're part of my life, like soda, for instance, like I used to be a huge soda drinker. I would, I literally went to McDonald's every day, if not multiple times a day and would get a pop. And at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to give it up. And I still occasionally have a Coke, but it's like, it's so much less that it feels like I've won there. But that's not the only thing. Like there's just so much so many other things like that where it's like I have to give up this identity along with it. And unfortunately, it's and I hate that that's true. Like, okay, I'm not trying to compare it to other things, but there's other things you can give up where you don't have to have them again. Whereas food, like you have to live, like you have to survive. And so that's been the most challenging thing for me is that it's a necessity as well as right. Like if you gave up smoking, you could be done with that forever and not go back to it. But like, you're going to eat in a couple hours. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it is. It is a uniquely challenging addiction. A lot of people have and and it's compounded, I think, by, you know, our culture and how Americans eat and what's available to us and what's everywhere and what's pushed on us and, and how much we use food to connect. And, and so I think it's important for you to acknowledge and give yourself compassion on the fact that this is really hard and that you've already taken really significant strides that you should be proud of and that you, you know, it sounds like are willing to continue to look at it for yourself, that patience is required and also support, you know, I mean, this is hard for a lot of women, a lot of men too. I think for women, it's even harder because of the unrealistic societal standards of beauty that, you know, and all of that. But this is like really something that, you know, people come together to support each other with. There's something called Overeaters Anonymous, which is sort of like a 
a support group in the same way AA is for people. There's a an FA support groups, which is Food Addicts Anonymous. And so, I mean, this is the type of thing that a lot of people struggle with and that I don't think anybody should be expected to do alone, which is, you know, I was saying to Emily a little earlier, like my girlfriends and I are always sort of talking about food and our relationship to it and decisions we made and what we need to do to shift that and have a healthier relationship to it and what comes up for us around that. So I wanted to express my admiration to both of you for being willing to say it like it is and to, you know, be vulnerable in that. That's not easy. That takes a lot of courage. And that's what drew me to you too. When I first listened to that episode, it was like, there was such a a willingness to be raw with what's hard. Well, it is hard. <laughs> and I think I think reminding to wrap it up before we go on to talk strategy to me, I think just reminding everyone that like we all have our things. And I think health and wellness, I think tying it back to setting boundaries of recognizing your worth comes a lot with what we're putting in our bodies and how we're using our bodies and treating our bodies. And I think it's going to be harder for some to set those boundaries with partners, with friends, with coworkers, with whatever it is, if we don't first respect ourselves and what how we're treating ourselves. And so that's bringing it full circle. But that was a little therapy session for both of us. But at this point, I think let's head into talk strategy to me. And let's kind of bring it back to boundaries a little bit for people who might be seeing them blurred with partners or friends or their relationship with even food and wellness and exercise? How can we begin to kind of dive deep into setting those for ourselves? I think the first part of it is to be willing to look at what your true authentic needs are and to be clear about that. And so I think it's true that we all want to feel well, we all want to be loved, we all want to have rich relationships with others and feel successful. And so we have to first sort of notice what our needs are and notice where they're not being met. And so you know, get really clear about what that is, and then think about what needs to happen in order to express that. And that might be to ourselves, like, you know, we set limits, we have to set limits with ourselves as much as we do anybody else. And we just talked a lot about ways in which that's really hard comes to, you know, setting limits around how much we work out, how much we over, you know, indulge in sweets or, you know, so I think one of the first steps is being aware of what your needs are, where are they not being met either by you or others? And then what are you willing to do to enhance the likelihood that they will be met by yourself or others? And so sometimes that's, Oftentimes, I, I work a lot with, you know, that setting limits and boundaries is is inextricably linked with assertive communication. So, you know, others aren't going to know what we need. We're not going to know what we need until we express and communicate it to ourselves and each other. So I'd say the next step would be to know what you need, know where it's not being met, and then be willing to express that in a respectful, assertive way so that it's really clear. 100%. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> my pleasure. Oh my gosh. Thank you both. I appreciate you being willing to go there with me and each other and yourselves. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the hard work you do. And, and it's, I, as I've said before, I'll say it again. I'm a total fan. <laughs> thank you. And, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me and chatting. Well, how about you tell everyone where they can hang out with you online and see more about what you offer? Sure. So I'd say I'm most active on my Instagram account, which is Dr. Rachel L. Allen, A L A N. So it's Dr. R A C H E L L 
A-L-A-N. And so they can find me there. I, you know, try to provide as much encouragement and information there related to health and wellness and self-love and and mindfulness. So that's a good source of support. And then I also have a website and a blog, and that is at drrachelllallen.com. So that's worth signing up for. I'd say I send Mindful Monday emails and any updates around uh, stuff that I'm doing that your audience might find supportive. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you both. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.